Welcome to the About Seth podcast, where we're talking all things Seth Godin. This is the About Seth podcast, and today I'm continuing my summary and rehashing of Poke the Box by Seth Godin. This is part four of the six-part series of Poke the Box. I'd suggest listening to parts one, two, and three first, but you don't have to if you want to jump in halfway through. It's in short little blog posts, so I just give you the title of the blog post and then my favorite quotes and my favorite lessons from that blog post, so you don't necessarily have to listen in order. The main thing you need to know is Poke the Box. Is a, It's a little book about essentially starting and taking initiative. So following on from the last part, I'll start with the, the blog post uh, called What Happened to Excellence. Seth talks about Tom Peters, the author of In Search for Excellence. The book was first published in 1982, and Tom has spent the last 25 years traveling the world to spread the ideas in his book. Millions of people have embraced the thinking behind his work, but too many others are still waiting for him to tell them exactly what to do. Excellence isn't about working extra hard to do what you're told. It's about taking the initiative to do the work that you decide is worth doing. Please stop waiting for a map. We reward those who draw maps, not those who follow them. Allowed, and in parentheses or brackets, not allowed. Schools, relationships, and jobs are filled with not allowed lists. It's interesting that the lists of things that are allowed seem a lot harder to remember or to write down. Perhaps we're afraid of how much freedom we actually have and how much we're expected to do with that freedom. It's comforting to live with a list of what's not allowed. We remember it, we may even push against it a little, but ultimately, we enjoy the confinement that the limits bring us. Don't tell Woody. (laughs) Seth's dog lives inside an invisible fence. There's a wire around his small yard, and when his dog Woody gets too close to it, her collar buzzes. If she goes a bit further, she gets a little shock. And Seth thinks that she has been shocked exactly once and only once. Woody learned to associate the buzz of the collar with the pain of the shock. And now she never goes near the edge. But the thing is, the wire broke a year ago and the system no longer works. But Woody still associates the collar with the behavior. And she only leaves the yard when Seth takes off that collar. The boundary is in her head, not in the system. I wonder what would happen. Success-minded people have no trouble following instructions. We'd be happy to follow the map if it was proven and came with a guarantee. But there are no guarantees. There are no more maps. All the paths have been taken, and they're no longer valuable because our competitors have the maps too. Instead, The opportunity lies within pursuing curiosity. None of this works without curiosity. The thrills lie in what we don't expect, not in what's safe. Curiosity can start us down the path to shipping, to bringing things to the world, to examining them, refining them, and repeating the process again and again. The joy of wrong. 
Seth tells the origin story of Starbucks. It initially didn't sell anything you could drink on the spot. They just sold the beans and even some dried herbs. Starbucks got it wrong. But Howard Schultz, who worked at Starbucks, took a trip to Italy and realized the opportunity to bring a completely new take on coffee to America. Howard gets a lot of the credit for creating the mammoth we know today, but if the original wrong Starbucks hadn't been created, would today's Starbucks have ever eventuated? One led to the other by the usual route, which is not in a straight line and never is. The hardest part seems to be that first iteration, the wrong one. Poking doesn't mean getting everything right, it just means action. The world is a lot more complicated than it appears. There are two forces arguing for accepting the presented answers. The first is the industrial age. We're pushed to make immediate choices at work because there's no time for indecision when machines are waiting and markets are waiting and people are waiting. And the second is the digital age because computers like matches and decision trees and on or off, they don't like maybe. Initiative and starting is about none of these. They're about let's see and they're about try. If there's no clear right answer, perhaps the thing that you ought to do is do something new. Something new is often the right path when the world is complicated. This might not work. Change is powerful but change always comes with failure as its partner. Your work can't be so serious and urgent and flawless that everything must work every single day. The idea that this might not work isn't merely something to be tolerated, it's something to seek out. Attempt, not perform, not display. Attempting means you're trying something that's risky and something that might not work. It means you're doing something new and interesting. Trying and attempting is the opposite of hiding. There's a quote from Yoda. Do or do not, there is no try. It's a good, I used to think it was a good quote, but Seth says, sometimes there is a try. You just have to try. It might not work, but try anyway. Take a lid off it. You already have good ideas. You already have something to say. You already have a vivid internal dialogue about what you could do and how it might make things better. Most of us have an engine that runs on on trying to do things better. But we have a demon in our head, a voice that often starts with, what about, and then trails off, disgusted at our inability to actually try this stuff out, at our inability to poke. The reasons for lying low are clear and obvious and stupid. The opportunity is to adopt a new practice, one where you find low-risk, low-cost ways to find out just how smart and intuitive and generous you actually are. Starting implies and demands finishing. What's the distinction between carrying around a great idea or being a brainstormer or a tinkerer and actually starting something? The distinction is that starting means that you're going to finish. If it doesn't ship, you've failed. You haven't poked the box if the box doesn't realize it's been poked. 
To merely start without finishing is just boasting or stalling or an utter waste of time. At some point, your work has to intersect with the market. At some point, you need feedback as to whether or not it worked. Otherwise, it's merely a hobby. And the final section for this part, shipping and fear. The challenge is to focus on the work, not on the fear that comes from doing the work. When you start something, it's going to be criticized or at least misunderstood. If you focus on what people are going to think, you're bound to hold back. I hope you enjoyed part four of my breakdown and summary of Poke the Box by Seth Godin. There's two more parts to come, so keep an eye out for those. If you'd like to grab a copy of the book, head to www.aboutseth.com books. And if you'd like the free resource, which is the Poke the Box workbook, which is a 15-page summary of the full book Poke the Box with, with questions and actions, head to www.aboutseth.com free. I'll see you for part five. Thank you for listening to the About Seth podcast. I hope you learned something along the way. I strongly urge you to check out more Seth Godin. You could either buy one of his books, check out one of his TED Talks, or subscribe to his daily blog. Or go to aboutseth.com.